doing out there? Is everyone feeling all right? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I shook up the world. I shook up the world. Oh, yeah. Look how good I look. Ain't this just a perfect specimen of a man right here? I want to be your motivator. I want to be in your corner. What'd you say your name is? Bundini. Rhymes with Houdini, yeah, except that don't rhyme. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! They're coming after you. You're important. They don't want you to fight. Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Clay, you're under arrest. Oh, so they're gonna take from me what no fight in the world can. I cannot let you oppose them. They bust you out. You don't remember your name. God don't care about you. Do you think they give a damn if you get killed? So what? So what? I ain't got to be what nobody else want me to be, and I ain't afraid to be what I want to be. The champ is here! The champ is here! The champ is here! go to Alabama, you can go to Sweden, everybody knows that I am the champ. All the ladies out there, they know. Let's tell it like it is. We're going from the darkness to the light. You want to send me to jail? Fine, you go right ahead. That boy even dreamed he whooped me. He better wake up and apologize. Come on, Dad. You lucky he hold me back, man. You lucky he hold me back. The Muhammad was gonna fall. Supposed to be my destruction. All right, now listen. I'm gonna hit your hands six times before you get the three. You ready? Go. One, two, three. Did I hurt you? <laughs> And we are back. I am Eric. He is Kevin. This is the Props Podcast, and we are brought to you by Spotty Hot Cash. What's going on, Kevin? Man, we're almost to Christmas and crushing football defeat, <laughs> but we've got props to keep us going through the holiday season. We do have props. Uh, just give everybody a special announcement here. Uh, both Kevin and our, I, both Kevin and I are off next week from our respective uh, positions, but we're going to come in here later this week and record a Christmas episode for you guys for props. So We could just pretend that it was coming out at the same time. Nobody would know. Nobody would have known, yeah. They'd have been like, wow, they're working on Christmas Eve. That's nice. Yeah, they would have, but uh, and that's what I'm going to pretend. I like to be transparent though kevin i like to okay let, let everybody in on that's a little good. secret is that okay i guess i know how that radio magic sometimes works where they pre-record an interview and then they play that the would show. never happen sir <laughs> i don't know what that's in reference to uh, so um i actually watched this film twice uh i watched it once and was kind of like uh, maybe and i watched it again and i'm 
I think I'm siding with you here. I, I like the film, but it's very flawed. This movie's a mess. Yeah. It's... And Eric and I, can you believe it or not, we have conversations that don't just sit here at the props desk. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I told him, I think this might be a movie that we disagree on. And he's like, oh, you don't like it? And I was like, this movie's a mess. It... It has so many problems. The number one problem in this movie is the pacing, and then if you wanted to add on a 1B, the focus. The focus, yeah. Why they decided to attack a 10-year period, I have no idea. It did not work. It didn't work uh, at really at all. And as I... I never met Muhammad, but I've, I was always like just on the outside in his later life because of people who are affiliated where I work. And card products that came out, right? Signings and stuff. So I was, I was always just on the outside in his later life, and I heard crazy stories about Muhammad Ali's signings, and uh, got to see pretty cool stuff come out of it. But then I watched this film, like this guy really isn't much better than than Jake LaMotta, who we (laughs) who we profiled a couple of shows ago. Sure, there's the. (laughs) There's the freaky, I know it's not like, with Jake LaMotta, the the number one, well, oh my God, he had so many problems, like in addition to beating up women, then there was the awful pedophilia stuff. Right, right. There is a moment in this movie, and one of the problems I have with this movie, and we should say, and I know you're going to lead the way on this a little bit later, but sure. the acting is really strong. In right. It. It's the components of this movie that are a mess. And I don't know, I can't remember if it was his second or third wife, but kind of weirded me out when he meets her and he's like, oh, yeah, you asked me a question. And she's like, that's right. We met at school when right. I was 11. Right. Um, he's like, we should get married. That was his third wife. That and- freaks me out. Like, I I just want to say for the record, I know it's not the same as LaMana because, like, she was a grown-up by right, then, right. but... I don't know, man. That kind of weirded me out that, like, hey, I know we met when, because I looked up the age gap, it right. would have been about when he was 21, 22, and she was 11. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. And I know she's, like, 21 then, and he's 30, and it's okay, but, like, I don't know. I feel like I would have been, like, well, it's really nice to meet you that I knew you when you were 11, so I'm going to see you later. I'm out. But I instead, he was like, we should probably get married. <laughs> Well, uh, he, while he was still married, yeah, he said it. He said it better. He said, "You know, uh, my heart is a Muslim. I'm a Muslim, but uh, my flesh is <laughs> it's, sure." Yeah, so he, he, uh, he was very aware of his uh, frailty there, and he just he didn't do anything to try to even stop it. It's so like you were talking about Muhammad Ali with the signings and everything. I think we can certainly agree. One of the greatest athletes sure. of the last century, but even put that aside, easily the most or one of the most interesting athletes absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. ever, right? right. <clears throat> so I get why they went into this movie and they're like, let's do everything. Sure. And that's so that's the primary issue that I have. Because like so you have maybe the most fascinating athlete who we've ever seen, who won the heavyweight championship when he was twenty two, just turned twenty two. Beat Sonny Liston. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many things. And he'd won a gold medal 
in the Olympics. And mm -hmm. then he went on to win the heavyweight championship, not once, not twice, but thrice. Mm -hmm. And so, and then he also like got blackballed from the sport, threatened to go to prison because mm -hmm. of Vietnam. Right. He had all his dealings with Islam. He had so many iconic fights, like the fight with Joe Frazier, mm -hmm. the rumble in the jungle with George Foreman. He had his mar all his marital stuff. And they were like, you know, we should do all of it. All of it. Every little single piece of it. Silly. Okay. So, so many different things. So, like, let's just count all of the different movies that you could have made. And I'm not saying you would have come out with, like, with Ali 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. But if you wanted to make a biopic about him, I would have argued that maybe you make a biopic from the Olympics to the second Sonny Liston fight. Sure. So that's, like, the span of four or five years right okay and if you if that doesn't work for you then why don't you do a biopic around his conscientious objector status in the joe frazier fight mm -hmm. all right so that's Perfect. like another yeah. few that's another few years and if you don't want to do that then why don't you do another one that goes between the rumble and the jungle and the thrilla in manila like that's only that's only a few years as well, right. and so you could have gotten the George Foreman fight, and then you could have gotten the last fight with Joe Frazier, which I'm pretty sure Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier said that's the closest that I've ever felt to death. Sure, like both of them said that. Mm -hmm. If you would have knocked that out, that's like another three year span right there, and then you could have also included all the controversy with the Ken Norton fight mm -hmm. when people almost started a riot up in uh, I think. It was in New York City because right. of that. So that's a whole nother movie. So that's like at least three different movies that I think you could have made out of this. But instead, they were like, let's just cram them all together. Let's make a two hour and 40 minute movie that somehow feels incomplete. That's what I can't abide, yeah. Eric. Yeah. How can you make a movie that's almost three hours that feels incomplete? The, I wanted to also like to add to your to your point. The other stuff that they added to the film, the assassination of Martin Luther King, the assassination of Malcolm X, um, the the his conscientious objector, I, I understand that part, but that was even wrapped up in a nice little bowl when he's in when, he, when he's in Africa and the Viet Cong guys come over and they thank him for yes. So it's like they had so much going on. Like we are historically aware of the relationship between uh, Malcolm X so I, and Muhammad Ali, so I guess that's kind of important, but. The the Doctor King thing. Why why is that in there at all? Because I didn't feel like they really. I don't know. I didn't feel like they really tackled why that yeah. impacted. Like like you said, I I I saw you know the moment where he breaks down in his car because mm -hmm. him and Malcolm X had had a falling out. And Malcolm right. X had been assassinated. Like you know that seems like a relevant moment because it kind of furthered him on the path. Like if he wasn't already going to go that direction, sure. it kind of furthered him on the path that he was already going, getting involved in Islam. And I get that, but they set the tone for the problems with the pacing in this movie in the intro. Mm -hmm. The intro is, oh my God, it's like 10 minutes it, long. It is, yeah. And there's not a, there's hardly a word spoken. No, and then it turns into like a three-minute additional jazz concert. Yeah. And you're thinking, where was the editor on this one? Mm -hmm. This movie is long enough as is. And like I said, it's two hours and 40 minutes and it feels incomplete, which I cannot abide. And that's why, skipping ahead, I'll say, <laughs> not a classic. Um, but... I, I, I can't accept how you can add like a three minute 
jazz scene on there mm -hmm. when you have so much to get to. And then the other issue that I have, and it's a massive issue that I have with this movie, is they seem to steer clear from almost any controversy sure. involving the life of Muhammad Ali that doesn't surround Islam or his conscientious objector right. status. So right. they like really lightly touch on the fact that he might have been a scumbag when it came to women. Right. But they take that in the most gentlest of terms. A very delicate way, yes. And then they ignore any controversy in the ring with mm -hmm. his boxing career. So I, the one thing that I will say is, like, I'm always fascinated by, by Muhammad Ali anyway. And sure. so, like, I remember the night that he died, I was actually off from KNC shameless plug alert, <laughs> 7 to 11 weeknights on 105.3 The Fan and Radio.com. And I called in to, like, you know, talk about some of his most iconic fights. But they don't get into anything that is controversial about some of his fights. So take the Sonny Liston fights. Mm -hmm. Both of them had controversy around them. Right. So the first Sonny Liston fight where he wins the heavyweight championship, Sonny Liston doesn't come out after the sixth round. Why is that? Because he hurt his shoulder? Maybe. Or is it because he took a dive? Right. Which is what some people think. The old mob bosses, right? Exactly. Yeah. And some people think that he made more than a million dollars betting on Muhammad Ali in that fight. <laughs> and so they don't dive into that at all. And even if you don't think that like that's a viable thing that happened, you should probably at least address it for a second. Sure. And then you go into the second fight, which is super controversial because right. it has the phantom, the phantom punch, punch that half the people are like, if you sat over here, you saw and half the people are like, oh, bull crap. Right. Sonny Liston knew his skill set had diminished, and he probably wasn't going to win anyway, so he mm -hmm. took a dive. They don't address that at all. at all. And then you have, I think it was Ken Norton. I'm sure people on the internet will blow it up if I'm incorrect about this. So he won a, he lost a split decision to Ken Norton, and mm -hmm. then he won a split decision over Ken Norton and they don't address that at all. This was super controversial. It's even the subject of a 30 for 30 short where there was like almost riots in the street. And maybe I'm getting the maybe I'm getting the opponent wrong cuz I could have sworn it took place in Madison Square Garden. But there's a 30 for 30 short about how like most of the people thought he didn't win this fight and there was almost riots in the street. That took place in the span of this. Mm -hmm. They don't decide to touch on that either. And right. so there's lots of controversy surrounding and then when you get to the Joe Frazier fight, like they just gloss over the fact that he said awful, like racial, yeah, racially yeah, based things yeah. to Joe Frazier. He turned Joe Frazier into what the Uncle Tom White fighter, sure. which is terrible. And they don't address that at all. Right. And so that's another problem I have with this. If you love Muhammad Ali, I get it. He's one of the best and most iconic athletes ever. ever. Yep. But that doesn't mean that he was perfect, and that doesn't mean that you can't address it. Because all the stuff that they address with Islam is, like you said, it kind of gets wrapped up in a nice package. Howard mm -hmm. Cosell tells sure. him, you're vindicated. Right. The, the, the people going into the rumble in the jungle, they love him, and it seems like everything was okay. And the only bad part was that like b evil boxing took away his crown. But mm -hmm. they don't address it. Like, Thousands and thousands of people hated him sure. for bailing on his country. Right. And 
I think history probably vindicates Muhammad Ali on that. Sure. But that doesn't mean that you don't dive further into the dark side of that. And that doesn't mean that you don't dive into the dark side of some of the boxing outcomes. Right. Or the further dark side of, like, all the philandering. Like, how did that impact all of his wives and everything sure. like that? So the primary issues that I have with this movie is that the pacing is terrible and they treat him with kid gloves. Right. And I don't think you can go into... Like, I just saw the Freddie Mercury. Bohemian, uh, Rhapsody. Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody. And, like, there are times when he has his party and his bandmates leave the party and they're like, you know what? Sometimes you can be a real a-hole. Right. And you get the sense that, like, there were times when Freddie Mercury was a jerk and he was ostracized from his entire band because he was a jerk. Hmm. It's okay. Like, hmm. it doesn't mean that I'm going to hate that person forever if you tell me, guess what? He was a flawed human. <laughs> this movie is afraid to tell you that Muhammad Ali was a flawed human. Definitely. And they're also afraid of anything in the editing room. They are. They are um, so let's, let's... Sorry, that no, was a long... Fine. That was a big intro. That was almost as long as the intro to Ali. So uh, <laughs> let's... Now it's time for a jazz concert. <laughs> Where's Sam Cooke? Get him in here. Let's do this. Um, I, one point that I want to make that you, you, you kind of touched on was like... They strayed away from any controversy that he had with the Nation of Islam. And it seemed like he was almost like a puppy when it came to them. Like he was going to do anything they said to do, no matter what. And his wife even told him, his third Belinda, she tells him, you need to make changes. And he doesn't do it. He, he goes right back to the same thing. Do you believe that? Because part of the reason that I'm not sure about that is you just don't get the sense that Muhammad Ali backs down to most anyone, including going into the, the rumble in the jungle with Foreman when he pretty much tells Don King to shut the yeah, hell up yeah, multiple talk, times. Yeah. Do you get the sense that that's really was his role? I can believe it because of the role religion played in his, his, okay. his life, you know, and I, I know people like that in my own personal life where their, their religion is more important than anything else. So they, they bow to it almost. And that's, if you listen to my other show, you know that I'm a Christian and you know that I'm, I'm, I'm a God fearing man, but I'm not going to just, if someone tells me in the church to do something, I'm going to question it if it doesn't seem right. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was, it was, it's, it's a flawed film, but let's get into the box office, the log lines, the star power, because it had all of that. Well, most of it anyways, the log line is kind of uh, misleading. Forget everything you think, you know, <laughs> okay. Kevin is not a fan. What? Like what, what revelatory things are in this movie? That's the other thing is there's nothing yeah, there's particularly nothing. groundbreaking in this movie. No. Oh, he had a relationship with the with the religion of Islam? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Right. That's why he changed his name. Oh, him and Howard Cosell were really buddies? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Even right. I knew that, and I wasn't alive for sure. all of this. Sure. I Yeah, I don't see that at all. Okay, so production budget. $107 million. Shut up. Are you serious? And this is a flop. If you look at this, this is a flop. It costs $107 million? $107 million. I think it's because of the star power behind it. Wow. That's a... Holy cow. Opening weekend, $14.7 million. Ugh. Uh, domestically, it's grossed $58 million. Shoot. And worldwide, it's grossed $87.7 million. So it's a flop. 
And by the way, in case you're curious, I was just talking with my son about this because the movie uh, The Mortal Engines is crashed and burned. Have you heard about that no, movie? No, I haven't. Well, it should be on video any day now. <laughs> uh, so it costs about 100 to $125 million to make. Debut weekend in North America, $7 million. Ouch. To put in perspective, you need to make at least twice as much as your budget for marketing and exhibitor costs too. So this movie needed to make like at least two hundred million and right. you said worldwide it made eighty seven point six. Ouch. That hurts, right? That hurts. That's surprising to me because this is a time when like now, quite mm-hmm. frankly, I don't I don't have like that much of a personal beef with Will Smith, but I think Will Smith is box office poison now. Sure. because uh, of Hitch. That movie sucks, (laughs) and I think Corey really likes that movie. We've had some arguments about that. But, yeah, you look at, like, Seven Pounds and Collateral uh, and all – or Collateral – Collateral, yeah. Um, Collateral Beauty? Collateral Beauty, there we go. go. Because Collateral is a good movie with Tom Cruise and and Jamie Foxx, who's in this movie. That's the first movie Tom Cruise ever died in. Did you know that? Really? Um, But, yeah, this was a time when Will Smith was still – at the top, yeah. When it came to box office star power, just a couple of years, like what, four years removed from five years removed from Independence Day, um, Bad Boys One and Two had been out. Yes, he was. Yeah, and Bad Boys Three is on the way out too. And so. that's why, because they were like, we need something. So that you Martin can Lawrence is like, please, can you do yes. this? Yes. Um, yeah. So w- let's just get to the uh, to the rest of the stars in this. This is filled with with just like a who's who at that time. And then if you look at it, there's even some guys in it that are more prevalent today. So there's Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, John Voight, who was perfect as Howard Cosell. Yeah. Um, Mario Van Peoples, who I hadn't I haven't seen him in a movie since. It had been a minute since he had done some stuff too. Um, Ron Silver played Angelo Dundee. Jeffrey Wright as Howard Bingham. Um, Jeffrey Wright's now huge on uh, Westworld. Westworld, absolutely. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, Paul Rodriguez is in this. It's like, wow. He is, yeah. isn't he? It's just... Oh, uh, uh, but the biggest the biggest person... McGill. No, no, no. The biggest person who I think exploded after this is Giancarlo Esposito. Okay. Who yeah. would go on to be Gus Fring, right? In uh, in Breaking Bad, that's right. He and is now nervous. Better Call Saul, but but that's because uh, he plays his dad, sure. And so that was one of the things where you know I don't know if you ever do this, especially when you god, watch that is the same person. Yes. Oh my god. Uh huh. See, I don't know if you ever do this when you watch movies, especially at home. Like I never do this in the theater, but especially if it's an older movie and that person went on to do big things, I was like, oh, it's Gus Fring, and you kind of yell at the TV. Sure. It, Here's a weird uh, side note about this is like a year or two ago, maybe two years ago, I binge watched The West Wing. Okay. And it was magical. <laughs> I'm serious because okay. it's an awesome show, but also binge watch things from like 10 years ago that nobody spoils because people are always like, oh, spoiler alert. You get on Twitter all day long. No one's like, man, I can't believe what happened in the season four finale of West Wing. <laughs> like that's never on Twitter, but like I'm watching Tomorrow it. Tomorrow it's going to be. There. Yeah. yeah. I, but I'm watching it and thinking about all the things that like these people would, you know, go on to do. You had uh, uh, Dulé Hill who was on um i think it was his suits or white collar Mm -hmm. and then he's in ballers and like i'm i'm looking at all these people and all the things
things that they go on to do. And then I look at the president's daughter and I was like, man, I don't know anything that she went on to do. Little did I know, because I don't watch the show, Mm -hmm. she had maybe gone on to do the biggest things because she was a key character in Mad Men, Mm -hmm. which I never saw. And then she's like the main character in the new show that had just come out, Handmaiden's Tale, which obviously got to be really big. And so I'm sitting here watching and I'm like, oh, that poor girl, all these other people went on to go do things and she didn't really do much and little do i know like maybe she had the biggest shows of all and so so that kind of got me thinking about that with giancarlo esposito is you never know like what these people will go on to do and like nobody would have guessed going out of this movie that hey in 10 years the guy who plays ali is going to be pretty irrelevant in the Mm -hmm. modern hollywood scene where the guy who plays his dad is going to become this huge tv actor and you're going to be like that's not going to (laughs) happen But it did. It did happen. I said Bruce McGill, and I said Bruce McGill because this is the second movie that we've reviewed that has Bruce McGill in it. Can you name the first? What was the other oh, God. one? It was a bit role, too, and if you don't get it, I won't, I won't be mad. I don't. It is. He was in Sudden Death. No, not Sudden Death. Uh, Last Boy Scout. He's the guy that's sleeping with his sleeping with Bruce Willis's wife. Oh, who gets, gets exploded? Gets exploded. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Bruce. You didn't make it. All right, where were you the first time you saw this? Um, The first time I saw this would have been... It would have been on DVD at, at Blockbuster. Okay. Because this movie came out when I was at Blockbuster, and this is one of the movies that I remember that stands out, which I'm kind of surprised to hear you talk about the box office, too, because we had people asking about this movie within two weeks of when it came out. Wow. You know, like now, 2018, obviously things will hit streaming Mm -hmm. and, you know, Redbox and Blu-ray, all that way quicker, but... Back in, because I worked at Blockbuster from 2000 to 2002, you're still looking at a five to six month gestation period from theater release to when it comes out on DVD. Mm -hmm. And we would get things in our computer two months ahead of time. And so people were asking, and I was like, they were like, hey, do you have Ali yet? And I was like, the Ali that just came out in theaters? And they're like, yeah. I was like, no, it's wow. go see it in the theater. And people would ask that. And I would even look it up and I would tell them, if it's not in our system, it's not coming out for at least two months. Wow. So go find it at the theater. Go find it at the dollar theater. But the genius of the blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, if, if I can tell you, the employee perks. So you could rent five of whatever you wanted every week for free. Nice. Okay, so check this out. So spanking t- nuns again. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you the I'll tell you the bad part, and then I'll tell you why it's really awesome. The only thing you couldn't rent is anything that had been out for thirty days or less. All right. And I know you're like, oh, drag. You can't see the new movies. Ha ha ha. But you can because you get all the movies one to two weeks ahead of time, uh-huh. and you can absolutely rent them before they come out. Very nice. It's just once they go on the shelf. You're not allowed to rent them. Or, hell, they went out of business now. You could just take one and not check it out and bring it back, which I know for a fact people did all the time, (laughs) even though it was against company policy. Me, personally, I would just rent everything before it came out because all the movies would come out on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You would get them the Wednesday before or the Wednesday 
almost two weeks okay. before. And so that Wednesday was a happening, man. So like all the customers wanted to come in on Tuesday to see all the new movies. All the employees wanted to be in on Wednesday because that's when the boxes of the new stuff came in. Sure. And you'd be like, oh, did we get all Lee or do yes. I have to wait until next week? Because you knew everything came out six days or 13 days ahead of time. So think about it. You could rent everything before it came out for free. For free. It was awesome. And so awesome. I worked a lot then because I wasn't going to school or anything. And so I saw Ali when it came out on DVD. And Ali was a huge player at the video store off of Skillman and LBGA. Okay. Huge player. Awesome. Now, uh, I have a question about your time at Blockbuster. Yes. What do you do with the films that have their shelf life has just ran out and it's not there's just not being rented anymore or so you will turn them into pvts so sad that i still remember that previously viewed tapes okay if if it's just not being rented anymore you just try to sell it off and okay. clean out space and so that that, that was go ahead that was another reason that we pushed the dvd and because the dvd you could fit three DVDs in the space of one tape in terms of depth mm -hmm. for the shelves. And so, like, you think about if, like, Ali came out on VHS, let's say you got 100 copies, you'd probably need to take up 50 spots because you can only sure. fit, like, two tapes per. Uh, if I can fit three to six DVD, if I can fit six DVDs per, well, theoretically, I only have to take up 17 spots. So I can take up a third of the less inventory, which is why the DVDs, Blockbuster, I don't know if you know this, Blockbuster pushed DVDs heavier than anybody. Really? Yeah, it wasn't Best Buy or Circuit City or anything. Blockbuster pushed the DVD explosion, which ironically enough would be part of their downfall with Netflix taking over their market share wow. in the DVD area and then eventually with streaming. So, haha. Uh -huh. But yeah, you would eventually turn those into PVTs. Okay, awesome. I, I was just curious. So Fun fact. Thank you. you very much. This was, uh, what if I told you again that this was a Christmas release? Okay, I will tell you, I get that a little bit because, like with Raging Bull, this thing so desperately wants to win Academy Awards. Sure. Like, I know Will Smith is up for Best Actor. Okay. Honestly, I don't know anything else about it. Personally, I would have shut it out from anything. And if you tell me it's up for Best Film Editing, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> But this movie desperately says, please give me an Academy Award. Of course. And Will Smith is really good in this movie. But the whole movie's like, please, Academy Award, love me. Right. And I don't. This was um, Christmas, Christmas Day, 2001. Um, this is six months before I joined the Army. So, do you have any idea what it went up against? Uh, well, I can look. Because I would be you. curious to know if, like, it's. Oh, you know what it went up against? Two thousand one, the first Lord of the Rings. The first Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. I got crushed. Because, Absolutely. Because I remember the Lord of the Rings didn't come out on Christmas Day, but they came out like the week before Christmas. Mm, sure. And those things were unstoppable. Absolutely. And so that's probably why I got crushed. Yeah. Is because much like the Star Wars, you know, with mm -hmm. Force Awakens, if you weren't if you weren't Lord of the Rings and you weren't Star sure. Wars, you were getting run over. Yes, you were. Academy Award bait or not. <laughs> so I saw this with my ex-wife, I think, at, at the theater. Oh. And, uh, so y'all split up after you were in the Army then? We got sued. <laughs> Whoa, maybe this is an off-air conversation. I know. We got divorced the day before our fifth anniversary. 
that our, our divorce Aww. was filed the day before our fifth anniversary. That's so sad. I filed for divorce while I was in Baghdad, Iraq, wow. because because the state of Texas, where I was a resident at, residence at, and the state of Montana were the only two places that you could file for a divorce while in a war zone. And uh, fascinating. So I went to hmm. I went to the JAG office, filled out the paperwork, sent it to my mom. She took it to uh, the Tarrant County Courthouse. Filed it. She filed it. She for filed you? it on my behalf. Wow. And the day before our fifth anniversary, I get a I get a Yahoo Messenger message from her. You're divorced. Yay. <laughs> so that was uh yeah, I was it wow. was but you know what I don't I speak ill of her sometimes, but in all fairness, we didn't know each other. Like I had been deployed twice. So that that was two years of our two and a half years of our marriage. And when I was home, I wasn't at home. I was always in the field. Yeah. So I mean, we just didn't know each other. Like and it, it wasn't going to work. I can't imagine that as an easy life. No. Relationship wise or just in general. <laughs> just in general. It's not so, good. Yeah, man. Show, uh, show Eric, show Fat Pack, show Pop <laughs> Props some love on social media, <laughs> thanking him for his service. No, I no, I no. do that enough. You don't have to do that. I wish because I wish my story was cooler. I wish it was like, dude, I, you helped Dick Cheney go to the bathroom. I did. That's my favorite story <laughs> ever. That's the best story. Uh, but like, I don't. It was a Tuesday. You ever seen Stripes? Yes. With Bill Murray. It was a Tuesday, and I was bored. And that's why I joined. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was in like, there's other elements of it. I wanted to go to broadcasting school, but I, and I enrolled and I quickly realized I couldn't pay for this. So right. I'm going to go to the military. And like, I was just bored on a Tuesday and went right. to the army. But uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's a whole different show. But I, I saw it with my ex-wife and, uh, I didn't know then that I was going to be going to the army, um, or enlisting in the service, but I had a feeling that, uh, it wasn't going to be too many more films with said person. So okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, there was that. All right. Um, you you say you got it from Blockbuster. It was my my uh, introduction was at the movie theater. Keeping it real, were the athletes believable? Um, you I, know what? I, I I think they were. Yeah. I like I said, I'm not the world's biggest Will Smith fan for some outside reasons, but. I will give him tremendous props for this. I think he deserves every bit of this Academy Award nomination. Sure. And I get the sense that he put everything he had into this. You know, interesting, I think they use like a a hybrid of Rocky and Raging Bull sure. film styles to make this work because you get more of the because with Rocky you get a lot of the backup film mm -hmm. where you get the whole ring and everything like that whereas Raging Bull is claustrophobically tight right. yes um, but they do that some in Ali and I think that makes it work the the one of the issues that they have in this movie as opposed to like a Rocky is and I get that the movie's called Ali but all of his opponents are so ill defined right. Like they're not, you, yeah. There's nothing like you know Joe Frazier and George Foreman and Sonny Liston because you know them from his history. If you're looking for some exhibit, um, uh, uh, if you're looking for some background and some exposition, that's the word I was looking for mm -hmm. about them. You ain't getting it sure. in these movies. I th I believe. I mean, there wasn't much outside of. Uh, Will Smith's athleticism that you saw I mean, because the other guys. They're just not defined, like you said. They're not. Yeah. And the guy that played George Foreman, I guess he had the the longest little uh, little run in the film. But um, Smith was training for this, and he was training so well that he actually 
destroyed someone's jaw. I believe in it. the film. I uh, do in, in the sparring session. So like he was all in on this, and I think it was important. Uh, for this film that Muhammad Ali himself was actually a part of the production team okay. and, and, he, and he sat around and he gave pointers and th- stuff like that so Will Smith uh, who say what you want about his acting and, and whatnot, but his athleticism in this film is, is on par absolutely on par I agree um, we brought it up earlier and we'll, I'll go ahead and make mention over here the, the character the guys the, that they have playing these, these, these real life people are absolutely amazing and it's led by Jamie Foxx and and playing Boudini, absolutely like this convinced me that Jamie Foxx was was more than just a a, a, a comedic actor. And it paved the way for obviously a few years later yeah. Ray, right? Yeah, where he would win his own Academy exactly. Award. Exactly. I'd be curious. I'll be fascinated when we get to the awards if he was up for even like Golden Globe or whatever because he's pretty strong in this movie. He, he sure is in the in the. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, he is perfect in it, as yes. you mentioned earlier. Um, then John Voight is, oh my god, I thought that was Howard Cosell. I, Howard Cosell. It was I, like I've never, I never, I was never alive when Cosell was alive, but I've seen plenty of tapes and video and everything. When he sounded and looked exactly like him. This is one of the things that the movie is so close to getting right. Yeah, and then they don't totally get it right. Is I think that this could have been called Ali and Cosell, and it could have been like a oh, like a buddy, like a buddy picture. <laughs> yeah, like and it could have still been serious, but from the perspective of like, let's say you would have attacked it from strictly the Vietnam uh, conscientious, mm-hmm. conscientious objector status. Think about what an important role that Howard Cosell had in that. Like he tells muhammad ali dude they're gonna try to take you down for this right and then he's the one who and i think this is historically accurate who tells him like the supreme court has ruled in your favor so i really think it could have been like a drama slash buddy comedy sure that focused more on cosell and ali i think you could have pulled that off uh, let me ask you this in your line of business um do you think there's been at least for that era of sports, do you think there was anybody who broke news and got the stories across better than Cosell? No. But, I mean, he was, I immediately think of the John Lennon death and the way he, he broke that on Monday Night Football. He broke this to Ali and then he broke it on his, on ABC Wide World of Sports. sports. Or and I mean, he was perfect at it almost. Because, and it's so interesting how those two made each other. Like, Muhammad Ali would have been huge without mm-hmm. Howard Cosell. But Howard Cosell took him to the next level Absolutely. because if you think about it, and we talk, they talk about this in wrestling all the time because I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Like, ridiculous. No. I, can't <laughs> I know you know that. <clears throat> um, but you need a good adversary, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Muhammad Ali had good fighting adversaries in Sonny Liston, Joe Frazier, to a lesser extent, Ken Norton, and then George Foreman. Mm-hmm. But those guys weren't big talkers. Right. Joe Frazier is not a talker at all. No. George Foreman, well, now he talks. But sure. back then, now he was just a big killing machine. Yeah. Not a big talker. Sonny Liston, eh, maybe to, a more, to more of an extent. But Howard Cosell was his number one talking adversary. Absolutely. yeah. And so... He needed Cosell, and then Howard Cosell became way bigger because he talked back. Like right. he was the only person who could match wits, absolutely, with Muhammad Ali. 
you know, and and it was a great because it was a different it was a different avenue, and you know they both saw the use of each other. Mm-hmm. Like you have that scene where you know he wants to do the special with Howard Cosell, and Howard Cosell's like, "I need ratings." And Muhammad Ali is like, "Well, I've never let you down before, so are we going to do this or what?" And they both see the usefulness in it, and so I think that's why Howard Cosell is so amazing. Plus, there's a little bit of my style that I derive from him, and that it it doesn't matter if you're if you are loved or hated, do people have a reaction to you? That's the key. Uh, yeah. Is because in radio, the worst thing that you can have, and like people like Howard Stern know this, it, would it be better if everyone in the world thought I was the best and they loved me? Sure. But the point is, as long as they are not apathetic to you, mm-hmm. that's what really matters. That's what really matters. And Howard Cosell knew that. Absolutely. So, um, all right, let's get into the film. We, we can kind of fast forward through it because we've covered much of it in the open. But uh, so the the two li- we'll just cover the two listen fights. You, you, one both filled with controversy. Yes, that doesn't get addressed at that, all. That doesn't get addressed at all. Um, and which fast forwards us to uh, who who's he fight next? Listen, listen. Uh, the guy that refuses to call him Clay or he refuses to call him Muhammad. Is that right? Uh, yes. 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 And Which, he knocked his him. Does he destroy? I him. love it. I love that in that fight, and they got it right. He refused to knock him down until he called him Muhammad. So he just kept he just kept pummeling him, but he did he did it in a way that he wasn't going to just throw him to the ground, knock him out immediately. But he put he put that guy through punishment on purpose. And uh, that was a beautiful thing to see. Was that Floyd Patterson? I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking at it. I don't. I can't remember if it was the one right after that. Ah, dang it! But yeah, or no, no, it was. Uh, was it Cleveland Williams? Yeah, maybe. Dang it! But yeah, no, I, I know the one you're talking about. Sorry, I'm getting amped up for the fight that I think they did the biggest disservice to in this movie, which is is the fight. Against Joe Frazier. So, can I can I stop you right sure. there? Sure. Before like he mentioned he's mentioned only by name, but the Jerry Cooley fight. Jer- if if you ever listen to Muhammad Ali talk about Jerry Cooley, he will tell you that he Cooney. was Cooney, yeah, he was the toughest son of a gun he had ever fought. He couldn't knock him down. He took everything that Muhammad gave him, and Muhammad was declared the winner. But it was they just kind of glossed over it, and it was that's kind of sad to see. It is, and then they don't even address the fact that, and I get that this was, but it was right after the Foreman fight, is they don't discuss the Chuck Wepner fight, right. which was the inspiration for Rocky, mm-hmm. which exactly. you know, obviously has been a big player in here. Okay, so I'm really disappointed that they don't focus more on the fight as against Joe Frazier. So March 8th, 1971, Madison Square Garden. If anybody tells you they saw the biggest fight of all time and they're not talking about this fight, they're wrong. (laughs) They're wrong. Absolutely. I am so enamored with this fight. All right, lay it out. This is the biggest fight of all time. Okay. To me, the bar none. Bigger than Tyson Holyfield? Bigger than Tyson Holyfield. Okay. So, Muhammad Ali won the gold medal in the 1960 Olympics. Mm -hmm. Okay. For America. By the time you get to 1964, he is winning the heavyweight championship of the world over Sonny Liston. Mm -hmm. You know what also happens in 1964? Smoking Joe Frazier wins a gold medal in the Olympics for America. Then just about the time that it's probably ready for Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali to lock it up, 
Well, that's when the Vietnam conundrum hits. And Muhammad Ali, I know he has a couple of tune-up fights before the Joe Frazier fight, but Muhammad Ali essentially doesn't fight for four years right from 67 to 71 like i said i know he fights at the end of 70 and blah 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 blah. but like in terms of marquee name value he pretty much doesn't really fight for four years which is a damn shame because Mm -hmm. those are his four prime years but what happens during those four years well like i said joe frazier is about four years behind muhammad ali right Mm -hmm. and Joe Frazier takes over. He wins, I don't know, 14, 15 fights in that span. Wow. He is now the heavyweight champion of the world. And think about the gravitas coming into this fight. Joe Frazier is the heavyweight champion of the world. He is undefeated, mm-hmm. and he is a gold medal winner. Right. Muhammad Ali is for a lot of people Still the heavyweight. real heavyweight champion of the world. He is undefeated and a gold medal winner. You have two undefeated right, fighters right. that are both American, that are both gold medal winners, that both have legitimate claims to the heavyweight championship of the mm. world, and you have maybe the most charismatic athlete of all time right. returning to real competition after four years of exile. You're telling me that's not the biggest fight of all time. That's, and and that's why, like later on, they have the thrill in the uh, thrill in Manila. Manila. That's why this is called the fight. I got. It's you. not called the fight of the century. It is called the, the fight. fight. Yeah. Because there was nothing else. Like Frank Sinatra is at this fight. Everybody who is anybody is at this fight. I think that. Oh yeah. And then then there's the racial implications mm-hmm. that go into this fight because, like I said, it is not a stretch that. Muhammad Ali yeah. described Joe Frazier as the fighter of white people. He called him a monkey, didn't he? Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah. And he called him an Uncle Tom and right. all this other horrible stuff. And this is a little bit of a moral gray area, which I wish they would have gotten into more, mm-hmm. is I really wish they would have had a conversation where people are like, why are you saying all this stuff to Joe Frazier? And he's like, it's show business. Because I, I do get the sense that like at his heart, Muhammad Ali didn't just want to racially destroy Joe Frazier. He right. was just trying to sell the fight. Sure. But if you look at the repercussions it had on Joe Frazier's life, oh, he yeah. was getting death threats from black people who were like, you Uncle Tom, son of a, you know, yeah. because they didn't think that Joe Frazier stood up for black people. And Joe Frazier's just a fighter. Right. He was like, I'm not here to pick up the mantle for, because like he was not as socially involved, because he was a fighter. Right. And I know some people don't like this, but it's okay for not everybody mm-hmm. to be a socially conscious person when it comes to espousing their beliefs in cooperation with their job. Like the people that do rock on. I'm glad that you're trying to make the world a better place. I really am. That's why, you know, we use our platform. We talk about it all the time with Peaceathon and mm-hmm. my possibilities. Um mypossibilities.org shameless plug for a good reason (laughs) but like if that's not what you do and that wasn't what joe frazier did and it's okay that not everybody is doing that and so they made joe frazier who by all other accounts seemed to be an okay human into the bad guy and i'm really disappointed that they didn't get into that more and they don't get into the fight more he lost this was a crushing loss for muhammad ali right crushing because 
he wasn't the best fighter in the world anymore. Right. Like, he could claim that he still was, but he lost to Joe Frazier, and Joe Frazier was also undefeated. Yep. And he could not say that he was the best fighter in the world anymore. And they really don't deal with the fallout well. Right. All they show is him, Joe Frazier, losing to George Foreman and mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali's watching it sitting on his couch. They do not do a good job of dealing with the crushing implications of right. him losing to Joe Frazier. He was human. He was made human. Yes, and for the first time ever. ever. Yeah. It didn't happen in the Olympics. It didn't happen in the pros. It didn't happen on the mic. It didn't happen in his marriage life ever. Right. And this was, and they just gloss over it. Right. And they're like, well, soon enough, he'll beat George Foreman. What? They don't even <laughs> deal with the rematch where he beats Joe Frazier. Exactly. It's absurd. It is absurd. So let's just skip to the end. That's like, <laughs> and, and seriously, that's what I would have surrounded the movie. Is uh, yeah, I would have made it sense. about the fight because, like, from a real life perspective, I've watched documentaries, but I'm like super fascinated by it. Sure, and it took a long time for them to even like have normal conversations because Joe Frazier, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. was pissed at as Muhammad he should have been. Yeah. Plus, he was pissed because after Joe Frazier won, he still wasn't the people's champion, it was even though Muhammad, he proved yeah. he was better. Yeah. Well, that leads us all to Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle. Yes. So, such a genius name. Foreman was 19 when he fought Ollie. Is he 19 or 20 at this time? I'm going to fact check that in a second. And he's very, very young. He's not, he can't be any older than 21. He's because he's just a young kid who doesn't know how to box yet. He's just in there hitting everything that he sees. He was a, the comparison that I've heard some people say is believe it or not, it looks like he was 24 or 25. Was he really? Yes. Wow. And, in the tradition of where the heck is this gone, Ali in 60, Frazier in 64, mm-hmm. 1968 Olympics, George Foreman there you go. takes home gold for the United States Maybe of that's America. what I'm thinking about. George Foreman was 19 in the Olympics. That's Yes. Okay. That, would have, that looks like that would have been correct. And so he's only, yeah, he would have been 19 mm-hmm. in the Olympics. And sure. so by the time you get to this, I think he's 24 or 25. But the, the comparison that people made uh, that I wasn't familiar with, because I'll, you know, like I knew George Foreman from when he was the slow old man who shocked the world and knocked out Michael Moore. Right. Um, Moore. And he was Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson was a thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. was the unstoppable killing machine. Sure. Who? Yeah. By he was 25 years old when he lost to Ali, but by that point he was already 40 and 0. Oh my God! Can you believe that? Wow. He was already 40 and 0, and so I want to run down a couple of these things. If you want to talk about a frightening human being. So his fights leading into this. So he had a decision at 12-0, and 0, and then TKO, KO, KO, TKO, 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 KO, TKO, 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 TKO. So you get the idea. Like, he's just knocking chumps out left and right. Wow. But then get this. It looks like he either had – he had about 20 straight knockouts, and then he fought Joe Frazier – at the he had just turned twenty four. Remember, this is the Joe Frazier who stopped Muhammad Ali. Right. Uh, he had a technical knockout of Joe Frazier in the second round. Mm-hmm. The second. Three, so he knocked him out three times in the-, in the second round. Wow. And then two fights later, just turned twenty five. 
TKO of Ken Norton in the second round. Ken Norton who, is the guy who had split his two fights with Muhammad he Ali. Muhammad too. Yeah. yeah, and that's the one where I told a lot of controversy yeah. involving some of those decisions. But think about it. The guy who beat Muhammad, the only two people who had beat Muhammad Ali to that point were Joe Frazier and Ken Norton. George Foreman knocked them both out in mm. the second round. Jeez. So you can see why nobody thought Muhammad Ali was going to win that fight. And that is a fair assessment that nobody right. thought he could win. Because Muhammad Ali at this point, he's over the hill, man. He's Is he 40? No, he's not that over the hill. He's like 32. Okay. But, but, you know, like he's been oh, yeah, that's right, he's yeah. been through a lot. But he fought until he was 40, right? Yeah, because there's that fight with, uh, as the I can't remember if it was the second Leon Spink. No, it's the uh, Larry Holmes fight. Uh-huh. That there's a really interesting documentary out there. It's like the fight that never should have been or something like that. And so I think Ali is 32 or 33 at this point. He fought... Uh, uh, he fought Larry Holmes when he was 38, okay. and it's an abomination, and it's ugly, and it's a black eye for the sport. Where you're like, what is he doing out there? It's just a, it's a money grab. And- yeah, well, because like he had, you know, he had lost Leon Spinks, then mm-hmm. he had beat Leon Spinks, and everyone's like, yeah, maybe he could do it, but it was a total money grab. It's gross. Yeah, and some people say that like I don't really know the science behind it that that accelerated like. The Parkinson's, the Parkinson's disease, disease. Yeah. yeah, but he got pummeled in the head a lot. So he did. Yeah. It was it was it was gross. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that does a good job of of the film. Unless there's anything else that you want to bring up, because we covered a lot of it in the open, and then we just we did what they did. They glossed over a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, but I I feel like we addressed like all the controversies yeah. that they didn't get into. I'm I'm trying to I, I'm I was trying to find the I'm trying to find the betting line. For that original fight, because I think it was something like, if I remember correctly, something like seven or eight to one. Oh wow! Think about Muhammad wow. Ali being a seven or eight to one uh, underdog, and you know that's where he finds another one of his future misses out yeah, there. Yeah, he married and, her in 1987, and yeah. it's it's like I said, I I wish I wish they would have picked. Either the rumble in the jungle or the fight or the Liston in Vietnam stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have picked one of those three periods because Jamie Foxx, on point. Yeah. Will Smith, on point. Yep. John Voight, on point. They have so many good elements in this, but their lack of focus screwed this movie so hard. Yes, it did. So um, not a classic. No. Not a classic. Not at all. all it's right. too long. It is too long. Uh, I did some research on the available memorabilia from the film. There's actually some pretty interesting piece, pieces. Uh, if you go to yourprops.com and, and search Ali, there's only one piece on there, but it's really cool. It's the shirt that the uh, the gentleman that played um, Foreman. Yes. It says Foreman Ali, September 24th, Video Techniques on it. It's, yes, so, and he was rocking that shirt yeah, during his training. Exactly. So. so it's the shirt from that, uh, and it's got a couple. It looks like it's got a letter of authenticity with it. So that's that's pretty cool. It's out there. Um, Hollywood memorabilia. Who should be sponsoring this show? They have tons of Muhammad Ali stuff. I believe it. And it, everything from a 1990 uh, unopened cologne and aftershave pack, Muhammad Ali aftershave. Didn't hmm. know that that was a thing. Is there a lot of autograph stuff from him? There's out plenty the of it. Yeah, okay. there's plenty of it. Um, there's they've got uh, 1964 Cassius Clay ringside magazine uh, with no label on it, no shipping label on it. Wow, so that's pretty cool. Muhammad Ali unused um, 
sh- uh, shoe polish can. Huh. It's it, Muhammad pimped himself in every which way he can. Well, right? I mean, they talk about it in the movie. Exactly. There, there is one thing that they discuss that his, financially he did not do super well with his money, especially at the start. Right. So. Right. Uh, 1992 Muhammad Ali potato chips bag. Um, boxing's great Muhammad Ali signed autograph skip for the film The Greatest. Fun fact is a lot of more contemporary people know him for lighting the torch at, at the, the 96 Olympi- Olympics. Olympics in Atlanta. The girl I was dating at the time in high school, this is an actual thing that she said. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you know the guy that's lighting the torch? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, did you know that he used to be a boxer? Oh, my God. I was like. That relationship didn't last much longer, did it? Yeah, babe. He was like the most famous boxer ever and she goes really i've never heard of him and i was like well yeah but if you think about it 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 seems ridiculous to me but in our defense he was like his last fight took place like right Mm -hmm. when we were born right you know so i guess i get it but like i don't understand how you don't know who muhammad ali is you know sure but she'd never heard of him at all except for the atlanta olympics right which is weird um yeah, God, that's weird. That's really weird. Uh, there's there's plenty of other stuff out there. Will Smith signed boxing gloves, Muhammad Ali autographs that they have uh, for available. I think a Muhammad Ali Will Smith combo glove would be pretty. That would dope. be cool. Um, he really is tremendous in this. There's a John Voight signed script for the film. Okay, and I, I want a Howard Cosell toupee signed by him. That'd be great, wouldn't it? So the the toupee. Funny you bring that up. He had a toupee on in the late 60s in this film. He didn't start wearing a toupee until the early 70s, so that was a little oh. gap that they had. One thing that uh, I've seen it plenty of times, actually. Uh, it's been available to me. I've never bought it. Uh, this is a signed copy. Back in the day, there was a Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic book. Really? Yeah, and it's pretty cool. You can see Batman. I was in the, not aware of this. <laughs> Batman in the front row, uh, watching with his little bat head on. Sure. Uh, it's so they have some signed copies by Neil Adams, who who uh, who who did the work on this. Uh, but it's a it's a cool cover. It's Ma- Superman versus Muhammad Ali in the, in the in the ring. Thankfully, Superman does have some looks like probably some eight ounce gloves on to, oh, to be in this match. Okay. <laughs> so got to keep it fair. That's out there. Um, and then, like you said, there's there, there's plenty of autograph stuff, man. And then... Um, so I did think of the three things. Okay, go ahead. So the three things is I would love... Uh, I would even just take a regular copy of the iconic Sports Illustrated cover mm-hmm. from, from the second Sonny Liston fight where he stands over him and just right. holds his hand up in the a air. A very famous uh, Adidas campaign ad now oh sure it's and it's one of the most famous fight if not sports photos period ever Mm -hmm. i also want a lock of don king's hair (laughs) uh, because he plays a big part in the rumble in the jungle but most importantly and i don't know if this exists out in the world but a signed boxing glove of Ali and Joe Frazier together. I'm sure it's out there Especially if they wrote the fight on it. And hell, if they didn't, I'll write the fight on it and lie. Uh, That's the biggest fight that ever was and probably ever will be. All right, I went a little darker then. Uh, Oh, no. I want the belt that Boudini sold, that he pawned it for $500 so he could get high. Okay. That's that's a belt that somebody has that's never going to... You know, okay. That's that's a little little tough, huh? I want I want a ticket from the first I was it the first or second? I guess this is the second fight where Cassius 
changes his name from Clay to Yeah. I need something that says Cassius Clay. Clay is a Clay slave on, yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess either one of those Sunny Listens fight would have been fine. And then I want the the uh, I don't know what it is. I guess it's a, a pink slip or a pink piece of paper that uh, his name was read off of from the draft from board. The draft board. That, I thought about that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Cause that that would be good God. If you had that original draft slip, no kidding, man. Half a million, if not more. You got to back the money truck up for that. Yeah, day. you really do. And if it, if it if it could be legit authenticated as the one, just back it up. Yeah, I'm sure somebody from that time in the military has it somewhere. Probably. But, <laughs> yeah, that's but that's something that would just it's probably invaluable. You, oh, you couldn't yeah. you couldn't put a price yeah. on it. You know, that's a good point. Um. All right, so. We've been on a roll, sir, of picking pretty good films in the rating wise, ratings wise. I bet this does better than I would have rated it. I don't. I don't know. What would you have rated it? Fifty percent. Okay. Uh, well, let's start with IMDb because that's not how they rate. So they go on a scale. Man, of one to IMDb. They've been a little soft with some of these. I'm uh, gonna say six and a half. Six point eight. So right okay. there. Yeah. Right there. Too high. Too high. <laughs> Uh, b- by the way, I looked up the the awards. He, uh, it's not, it is not uh, the winner is not Jamie Foxx for best supporting actor. Is it Voight? However, he does win in the Image Awards for best supporting actor. Oh, okay. Uh, he is nominated. I'm sorry. The nominations are best actor Will Smith and best actor in a supporting role John Voight at the Academy Awards. And that's it. And that's it. Okay, good. Because that that really means this movie was a failure. Yeah. Because this movie wanted best picture, best director, mm-hmm. best everything, and to see only those two acting acting uh, categories get hit, it lets you know that this movie's not great. Uh, I think Rotten Tomatoes plays it pretty close. I'll say sixty-five, sixty-three. Rotten Tomatoes is going to give you sixty-seven percent, sixty-five on the audience score. That means Metacritic. I think Metacritic. I think Metacritic turned against it. 54%. No, it is 65. Bull crap, Metacritic. Get it together. This movie is not that great. That's awesome. Uh, I guess that's it, man. How do you feel about it overall? Just blah? <sighs> could have been so much more. It could have uh, like, been. Seriously, take what you just said. Like John Voight is up for Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Will Smith is up for Best Supporting Actor. And so we, uh, best actor. So we agree, they're phenomenal in this movie. Sure. Jamie Foxx, you pointed out, tremendous in this movie. Now, just imagine if you could have streamlined it down to two hours mm-hmm. and given Joe Frazier backstory. Right. Or streamlined it to two hours and given George Foreman backstory. Or streamlined it to two hours and given his wife's and Howard Cosell more backstory and focused on Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Dude, you got a movie that's going to be up for all those awards that right. you wanted it to be up. This movie, I remember thinking it was pretty okay back in the day. Now that I watch it again, disappointment. Disappointment. All but right. The, but the good news is there's no way in hell the next movie is a disappointment. <laughs> I will argue to you right now. This is my tease for the next one. This is the most entertaining movie that has ever been made. Wow. Ever. You're... I didn't say best. I said most entertaining. <sighs> count. Watch the movie. Listen to the podcast and count how many montages there are. Because if you think there's one, you're so wrong. Oh, God. Kevin's hyped for Rocky Four next week. So until then, cut. That's a wrap.